Okay, welcome again to another fun-filled, power-packed few minutes with the Hope Interrupted podcast. I'm Byron McCauley, your co-host of our podcast, here with Jennifer Mooney, live from Aero, Arroyo or Aero. Or Arroyo, Mexico, New Mexico, yeah, it's been a day, so uh, welcome. How are you doing, Jennifer? I hadn't seen you in a little while, like maybe a day or so. Oh, I saw you on FaceTime about three hours ago. Oh, that's true, right? Because we, we were happy because our book sales are good and we're getting a lot of media. Yeah. And that's kind of what you have to do to sell books these days. But more important than selling books, we really want people to start connecting with each other. And that is what our book is all about. That's exactly right. I want to thank my godson, uh, Star Scream the Giant, for that music that, um, that, that always ushers us into this space, which is wonderful. My, uh, my godson, his name is Kyrie, he is a graduate. Uh, what's the school in Baltimore called? Uh, the really, really great one? Johns uh, Hopkins. There, yeah, there you go. That's the one. My godson is a, is a graduate from there, and he's he, he's a great music producer. Uh, today, we have a special guest because uh, uh, what we're talking about and what, what we talk about a little bit about in the book, Jennifer, you know, we talk about um, sometimes reaching the glass ceiling in the corporate world especially when it comes to women. Yes, we do. And I was I was part of that whole bureaucratic whatever the heck it, that thing is. That's right. That's right. And we get to a point, and we're at a point right now where we still have, we've made so much progress, but again, I'm sounding like a cliche here, but we've got so much progress, uh, so so far to go. And so tonight, uh, I am very pleased to welcome um, Eris Scales to our podcast. Hi, Eris. Hey. How are you? I'm fantastic. And your birthday is tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Birthday yeah. girl. So, so that's so, what I complain about. Yeah. So we are talking the day before Eris's um, 35th birthday. And you know how they party like it's 1999. That's what's going to happen. But Eris is... I'll take that. 35. <laughs> uh, give me 35. Give it back okay, to me. Okay. Okay. Eris, you are the um, chief executive officer about 90 days in of Walker's Legacy Foundation based in Washington, D.C., um, which is, is, is essentially an economic empowerment and support system uh, for 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 women entrepreneurs, am I right? Is that you right? Are absolutely correct. So I, I, I mean, boil, I boiled it down a little bit. You and you you got it in a real good nutshell. One <laughs> thing you. I want to tell our audience, in case they don't know, is Madam C. J. Walker, who the foundation is a work of her legacy, was the first American woman to become a millionaire. And she's an African-American woman, and she started it with hair products, That's which right. is absolutely amazing to me. And there was recently a four-part show about her on Netflix that was really moving. So I'm glad to see her getting the attention she deserves and that someone like Eris, who is such dynamic woman, is at the helm of the foundation. 
Uh, thank you so much for bringing that up because I was actually going to share that. And I mean, at our core, you know, when I think about who the Walker Legacy Foundation woman is, you know, she is self-made. And Madam C.J. Walker is literally who our founder uh, built this foundation as well as our for-profit arm around. And so our goal is we want to make sure we are creating the next generation of Madam C.J. Walkers. And we can get more into that. But we have a lot of power as women and we are driving this economy. We're supporting this economy and we're continuing to find ways to innovate and make sure that we're providing for our families and our communities. So, yeah. Yeah. Eris, I met you about 10 years ago. How has it been 10 years? Uh, maybe a little bit longer. I don't know. But we met when you were um, the inaugural executive director on the Obama administration of the uh, D.C. Um, Promise Neighborhood Promise Initiative. Neighborhoods Initiative, and you mm. won this. You won a huge um, twenty-eight million dollars. That's well, all. Twenty-eight million dollars. Twenty-eight dollars. Twenty-eight dollars. Country to receive yeah, yeah. that funding. Yes, yes, yes. Only twenty-eight million dollars, and you did some good work there. You revitalized um, one of the one of the um, the most challenged neighborhoods um, areas in uh, in the district. And, That's right. And then you moved on to. Uh, sort of NGO and government work, mm-hmm. and now you're back. Um, I'm back. Can, you, can you talk to us about a little bit about that journey? Because I know you must have learned a lot to land at Walker's Legacy. I love that the journey. I talk a lot about the journey, and um, the other day, someone's saying, you know, like people are saying, how did you end up here? What are you doing? How did you do it? And so one thing I say is I often look for the opportunities that other people may not necessarily want to embark upon, you know, and then when I get there, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, that's a great, op- that's a great role. That's a great mission. I should have pursued that. And I share that because I think so often, you know, we want to go into places where we feel comfortable or we want to go into situations where there's already structure or there's already a path forward. And so I'm the kind of person, you know, I like to go in and I say at my core, I'm a creative. And so I like to go in and be able to have that ability to innovate. And, you know, you brought up DC Promise Neighborhood Initiative and I've shared with people that It was a challenge because it was a startup organization. I was the only staff person. I had like two amazing interns and fellows who were willing to kind of go on this journey with me. And I had an awesome founder, Irisama Salcido, who was supporting me and supporting her and what the vision was for that community. And so you think that when you secure a $28 million grant, that when you help that organization secure a 55,000 square foot building for a dollar from the city that you are golden, like you are just knocking out the boxes. And there were a lot of things that I learned with regards to like the importance of connecting with people in a different way beyond just having your nose down and doing the work. So I've always been this person who's just been like, I go hard and I want to get the work done because I'm so committed to these social issues that we're trying to address. But with that, there is the importance of making sure that you pause and understand those influencers and stakeholders who are kind of supporting that mission 
are also being engaged and connected. I was a really young leader at that point. I was kind of, you know, I was still wet behind the ears. It was a lot for me to learn. And so as I think about this journey ending up at Walker's Legacy Foundation, it is like coming full circle for me. So my master's I received through a program called National Urban Fellows which is really committed to supporting women and entrepreneurs, I'm sorry, women and minorities into going into the public sector. And I had an opportunity at that time to focus my, my capstone and my thesis in grad school around supporting minority and women entrepreneurs in Indianapolis. And like, what does it take to build that ecosystem and to, to further grow that subsector? That was like 20 years ago. I never expected that I would end up here at Walker's Legacy. And so it's great because I've been at this kind of hyper local level working with politicians. I've been at a grassroots level working with communities all around supporting economy and growing communities and scaling. Uh, So to be able now to be with an organization that has this national lens, particularly focused around black and Latino women entrepreneurs, who are doing this as a side hustle, but who are also doing this full time. Um, it's just so rewarding. Like every day I'm, I'm like, oh my God, it's been 90 days already. How is that possible? It's the fastest 90 days of my life. These Walker Legacy days are different than any other day. <laughs> you know, you, Eris, you mentioned something that resonates with me. I'm the oldest person on the podcast today. I'm, uh, I'm 57. I have two grown daughters and two my two stepdaughters so i were kind of all about it's always been this mostly female household mm-hmm. and when i was coming up i was corporate person and raising the kids and luckily i had a boss who allowed me the flexibility i needed to be a mom mm-hmm. but i'm seeing for most women for most women it's impossible and Either they're not getting the flexibility or the compensation they need in the corporate world or even the government sector. So they decide to go off and do their own thing, frankly, so they can be at the soccer games and take the kids to the doctor. And talk about that a little bit, because I really feel like most women are in that trap. No, that is spot on. Right. And when we so we recently just concluded um, an impact study with regards to the impact of COVID-19 on women of color entrepreneurs. But really, the findings that came out from that impact women across the board. So a lot of the women were raising that, you know, like over 75 percent of them were caregivers to either family and or children, but that's just women. Like we're naturally caregivers. Well, um, and their parents and their kids at the same their time. Their parents and their kids at the same time, right? And then we have so many women because of the impact of the pandemic who are leaving, who had to leave the workforce, right? Because children were staying at home to be homeschooled now. Um, We have jobs that are being reimagined. You have businesses saying, well, you know what? I don't need all of these uh, full-time employees to execute the work that we need to do. We can do this at half staff. So what we're seeing now, and I mean, seriously, women are launching businesses at a faster rate than ever before. And we are seeing African-American women registering businesses and starting businesses at like over 900 a day. But to that point is that 
they are still having to balance all of these additional responsibilities in the household. So great. So now you've gone from working and balancing these responsibilities to now trying to run a business and balance these responsibilities. And so a lot of what we're looking at now for at least Walker's Legacy Foundation is great. We've been running these accelerators. We've been running boot camps. We've been doing a lot of capacity building to increase the business skills and the networks for women entrepreneurs. My goal now is to figure out how we begin to infuse these additional wraparounds that create that support. I was a very young mom. I had my daughter at 20 and I was driven. And I know that this this poor baby, I mean, she went to every community. (laughs) She would sometimes be in a corner while there might be a board meeting. I might be having a meeting with the mayor and she is sitting there, you know, because you just got to make it happen. And so that is actually not healthy, (laughs) right? Like you got it done, but it's not healthy. So I think it's really important that we're taking the time or taking the initiative to understand that we have to just support people in different ways, that we have to respect having balance and harmony so that, I mean, at the end of the day, we're like creating this system in this country where it's just go, go, go. And people said that they had a really hard time during COVID. And I don't take that away from anyone. I acknowledge and accept that. But I will say for me, and I've said it over and over, and I often get questioned, like, are you serious? It was honestly, 2020 was the best time for me. I was able to go inward in ways that I've never been allowed to go inward before. I was able to eliminate a lot of distractions. I was able to have like a real clear sense of vision and purpose and how I'm going to align to that and able to see that if I'm not doing a thousand things, it's okay. Stuff is still going to get done or the three things that I do, I'm doing it so much better. And so right now it's like trying to work with corporate America, trying to work with government, trying to work with small businesses to understand that they have to also embrace that mindset because right now employees are going, I kind of like this balance that I've had. And we're finding that people are having a hard time getting folks to come back into the office. They're having a hard time now that we're reopening, getting people to accept positions And this is something that we're hearing over and over. It's like, how do we begin to reintegrate our workforce? How do we begin to attract employees back because people are turning down positions or not applying? So, yeah, I mean, it was a problem before, but now I think it's it's time for us to be able to infuse it with like from a values perspective. You know, it's like, what do you value? You want to burn out your employees? You want to oppress women climbing up the social ladder or the, you know, the the capital in your organization? Absolutely not. And we're not standing for it. So, yeah. The other thing you have you have working right now in the world is my kids are tail end of millennial generation. You're millennial, but you're kind of on the other end of it. These generations and I'm more power to them. They're not willing to do it. Give it all to the job. They're not. They're not. They're they're not all That's about a shift, isn't it? It is. It's a, it's a healthy shift. They're the kind of craziness that I was involved in with, you know, hauling the diaper bag into meetings like I'm sure you did. That's right. You know, breastfeeding behind some kind of whatever. I mean, whatever it was we were doing. That's um, right. They're not, they're not wired that way. They kind of saw us doing it and they learned a lesson and they learned a good lesson. I'm proud of them. 
I know, me too. I know. I mean, some days I'm mad because I want them to work hard, like me. You know, not that they don't work hard, yeah. but then I go, "Ooh, I don't blame you." You know, I wish <laughs> I had that before. And Jennifer, you're spot on. It's which goes back to my point around. I don't think that we should be trying to make them conform to what have been these traditional standards we should be taking a look at saying, you know what, maybe they're on to something. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't like seeing people work 80 hours a week, 70, burning out. That's not cool. You know what I mean? Like when, when did we say that that was okay? But that's kind of what this country was built upon. You know, I want to get all deep into like slave labor and how the economy was grown in this country. But it was sun up to sun down, you know, free labor. Like we grind and that has become this American culture. And I think now, and I love this, like hope interrupted. Like it's now the time to interrupt those previous values and systems to say, you know what? We appreciate and value you having some harmony and some balance to show up as your best self, your whole self, self-care. You know, it's like yesterday someone called in and she's like, I'm sick and I'm sorry. You don't have to be sorry. Please feel better. And I will see you when you are better back in the office. You know, she was like, wow, thank you. Okay. <laughs> well, and I think, I think we also, Byron, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think we also want these young people to be citizens of the world. We want them involved in politics. We want them involved in community organizations. We want them to raise good families that's all the future. And if they spend all the time at their desk, excuse me, in corporate America, where I spent a lot of years, then the, then the world is missing out on some of their talents too. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You, you both raised such good points. You know, I, I, uh, you're both delivering such amazing pearls of wisdom here. Um, because you, you know, I cannot relate to bringing in a diaper. Uh, a diaper diaper bag into the boardroom, but let me tell you, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm sure my wife can. I'm sure mm -hmm. a lot of people can because this is the sacrifice that women historically have made That's right. in America. To you know, what was that? Um, what was that wonderful commercial? I guess it was from the '70s where she brought home the bank bacon and all the rest of that jazz, right? Um, <laughs> And um, she smelled I, like Charlie Perfume. Absolutely, she smelled like Charlie <laughs> Perfume, which, which, which clearly must have nullified the bacon, right? I can't. Uh, yeah. Um, I want to. I want to shift the the same generation that that you guys just talked about. Now are 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 grown up women seeing their first um, female vice president of color, heiress. What does that mean? To them, you're on mute because I hit the mute button. So I said, I'm, I got excited when you asked, like, what does that mean? And I said, I'm not just saying this just to say it. I literally just an hour ago had a conversation with my director of communications and digital strategy, hey, Dawn Callahan, um, about <laughs> representation and how representation matters. And we cannot take that for granted. Even in 2021, you, you know, people say, well, we've had a black president, we've had, 
you know, there's only five black women CEOs of like major corporations of only which I think two lead uh, a fortune 500. And so when you think about vice president Kamala Harris, wow. I mean, she's a woman, (laughs) she's a woman of color and sometimes you just don't even like you didn't even think about it until you thought about like, wow, that's a possibility. And then that possibility became a reality. And so I wholeheartedly believe that representation and exposure truly makes a difference. When I was at DC Promise Neighborhood and even just a lot of the work that I used to do kind of at that hyper-local kind of community level, when I would speak with women, sometimes they would say to me, well, Miss Aris, that's great what you're trying to, you know, share or push with regards to maybe, you know, new affordable housing or a new uh, workforce training, pro- whatever it was that I was talking to them about. And they would say, well, you just don't understand. You can't relate. And I would say, I absolutely can't. You know, like I was 20. I was a mom in college. I lived in subsidized housing. I was on food stamps. I got Medicaid. Like I understand every single barrier that you are trying to break down right now. And I've been able to do it. And that's why I want you to understand what's available so you can do it too. So it's kind of like back to, you know, our vice president. I want you to know that she did that and you too can do that. I mean, she's an everyday woman. You know, she went to an HBCU. She's a member of the Divine Nine. She worked her way up through the ranks and she was just super focused and diligent on breaking crazy glass ceilings and barriers and I, she probably and I don't even know if she intentionally sought that out like sometimes things just happen for you right so I think representation matters because if you don't see yourself in the CEO in the C-suite or you don't see yourself as a leader of a business that's successful or see yourself in a management role or a leadership role you don't know that that's something that's possible but I think just as much as representation is really understanding people's backstory because you see, by the time you see them there, they're already there, but you don't know all the things that they had to do to get there. So for me, I often try to share like what my journey was to get to this place. Like, oh, you got a CEO position. Hey, I love the title, thank you. (laughs) But it's been a life journey and a lot of hurdles a and lot of trial and error. And there's still a lot of work to do. Lots of work to do. Mm-hmm. Lots of work to do. And I don't take any of it for granted, you know. And then when you get there, it's important to be supported. And, you know, not to like throw DCP and I under the bus, but, you know, it's one thing to hire a woman and put her in a position or a person. Of, but once we're there, we need to make sure, you know, not just we, but those who put us there, need to really give us the resources and the network and the support and the grace to lead in the way that we lead as women, to lead in the way that we lead as women of color, to lead in the way that we lead as women of color from certain markets or backgrounds. Um, Because if you say that you trust me to be here, then I need you to show up and support me while I'm there. So I'm I'm all for Vice President Kamala Harris. I wanna, she's doing great. Um, and I want to support all the women who are breaking barriers and glass ceilings. You know, one thing I want to say about women in leadership roles, too, is women sometimes 
in my generation weren't so supportive of one another. And that may not just be my generation, but I can only speak for my generation. And it's really important, and Byron and I talk about this a lot, that women and people in general don't think about taking the last seat at the table or the last piece of pie. They make the circles bigger, they bake more pies. And you, just because one woman is up doesn't mean you're going to be down. It's part of paving the way. And I really believe in that. And I get so frustrated. Mm -hmm. Like they can't see me over here making all these faces, but yes and yes. <laughs> yes and yes. yes. Right? I totally believe and relate to that. And that's one of the things I love about the approach that we you know, are committed to and attempt to take at Walker's Legacy and Walker's Legacy Foundation um, is that we stand by the fact that we want to incorporate like mentorship and back to that like exposure piece uh, into the accelerators and boot camps and training that we offer because it's so important to us that we're connecting women to other women who want to support them and invest import into them. And I've been, you know, for the first time, actually, this week, I shared um, in another podcast that I participated on that growing up, I didn't always have the best relationship with females. I really didn't. And it wasn't because I had an issue. It was because I was, and I am still, believe it or not, an introvert. And I'm, a, I'm very reflective and I'm very shy. Nobody believes this, but I go, I'm in these positions that require me to be out in public and all that. But if you peel that away, Eris is probably in the bed, <laughs> you know, in my living room, listening to some meditation music or reading a book and journaling and just sitting by myself. But people would take that with me growing up as being like, oh, she thinks she's better than us. You know, she's snobbish. She thinks... And it was like, no, I'm just really shy. I don't even know what to say to you. Like, I'm looking at you like, wow, you're so cool. Hey, you know? And so I always had this kind of friction with women. And it wasn't until I probably hit like my 30s and started really meeting other like boss women who were confident, who kind of who got me because they're like, girl, me too. I'm an introvert. You know, like I, I just got here. Um that and, and joining organizations like I'm the president of the National Coalition of 100 Black Women DC chapter. I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Hey, so roars. You know, <laughs> other other. My other wife and daughter says says hey back. Hey, so, right? so you know, being around other women who support women and recognize them, it's like you got it's a mindset type thing, and so. I don't know. I just go above and beyond to make sure that I'm not, you know, judgmental or that I'm not sharing or trying to create opportunities for other women or pouring into other women. Like, it, I don't know. It's, I, I think it, I'm probably traumatized from my childhood. But yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> you know, ladies, let's not do that to one another. Let's well, not and, do that to one another. To be that's, honest, that's CJ, um, Madam CJ had a lot of people in her life who didn't believe in her that's and tried right. to stand in her way. So I think that she's looking down and she's proud and she says this is who should be running the foundation. Hey. I think so too. They got the right one. So, so, so on that note, I'm going to, I want to turn, turn this around and, and, and we're going to do something kind of light, lighthearted. 
Okay. Before, before before we have to uh, close this down, I see something on the website that's Walker's Legacy's Boss Box. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because my team knows the Boss Box gives me like trepidation. But yes, what go, is the boss, boss Box, and what can we do to to um to do something with that? That's pretty cool. What is the Boss Box? Bless you. Okay, so you know. The boss box is, listen, it's one thing to do capacity building and training and put you through an accelerator. So that's all curriculum, you know, it's heavy. The boss box is like, listen, ladies, we want to offer you things that uplift you, that recognize you along your entrepreneurial journey, your hustle, that just help you kind of ease your mind, take your mind off of the everyday. So it's filled with amazing products from women of color entrepreneurs around the country. Uh, you know, we have every box has a book that is educational and informative. We put candles in there. We have makeup. We have <laughs> lotions. We have pins. I mean, it's, it's just filled with goodies that when you open it up, you go, oh my God, this feels good. That, that, and I'm a that boss. Seems, that seems so cool. It you is. Know, do, you, do you know what, Eris? Jennifer had an amazing idea. We usually do something called the hopeful moment. Oh, to end, our, to end our broadcast, we'll talk about something great that happened in America or the world. But uh -huh. Jennifer had this other Jennifer had this other idea, and, and she needs to tell you because I I really I don't feel like I'm that qualified to tell you. <laughs> well, what we decided was so Byron first told me about the boss box, right? Uh huh. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. Like I need a boss box. Yeah, I need a boss box. Needs a boss box. <laughs> we said, we said, what if we what if we donated books, our books, Hope Interrupted, to go into the boss box? I love it. I we, love we, it. we want people to read our book. Every box has a book. <laughs> so we so we would like to make that offer to you. Um, we want we want to see our book out there around the country, and these are women who we think would really enjoy our book. It has. I'll say it. We've got some decent wisdom. We've been around the block. Plus, you don't have to just sit down and read our book to front to back in one night. You can, it's, there are a lot of epistles you can read in when you've got a few minutes. I love it. So oh we're gonna, I'm going to have Mia. Hey, Mia. Mia. <laughs> she does so we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get in touch with We'll yep. get in touch with Mia and we'll send Mia the books for the, I'm um, connect for the you. box back box for the fall. Yes. So that was it. So with that note, oh, I'm so I'm so <laughs> we're going to let I, you get, you, we need to let you get to your birthday celebration. Uh, you've, you've shared a lot of wisdom with us to, tonight and, and you know what, you should promise us that you'll come back later. Uh, when, when we're talking about the anniversary yes. of, uh, of your seat, because you all have done so many amazing things. Y'all don't understand <laughs> so much. Like, we do so much. We're just trying to make know. a big impact. And anybody who shows up to support the work, I'm, like, so appreciative because, you know, I'm coming into this 10 years after it's been established and just trying to keep things going. And 
right now you have so many people who want to support and it's almost like, oh my God, you can't keep up with all <laughs> the interest right now around supporting women of color and entrepreneurship yeah. and anything. I, I appreciate you guys. Thank well, you. Now, now is the time. It now, now is like, as you said, there's not a better time to support um, entrepreneurial women in this country. Um, women are more than 50% of the population and still get short shrift in many, many ways. So now's the time, Jennifer. Happy birthday, Eris. We are very glad that uh, we were able to connect today. We look forward to being involved with you and your foundation. You guys are doing great work and we are here to learn our own lessons and provide wisdom when we can. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I just want to encourage people to follow us. We um, are about to, we've been taking a little bit of a, a pause on our accelerators just over the summer because I want to give us time to to refresh and repackage, but we are going to be relaunching our boot camps and our accelerators uh, starting in September in DC and Rochester, Newark, uh, Atlanta, Chicago. So, you know, listen, hope interrupted, but do not stopped. <laughs> and we wanna make sure that we're investing in women and, and pushing this legacy of entrepreneurship and growth forward. Oh, that is wonderful. Well, I got to tell you, we, we thank you one more time, Eris, for being with us and uh, enjoy your birthday. And I'm going to send us out with my godson, Star Scream the Giant, who takes hey. us out. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Thank you, Eris. And we'll be talking to you soon. We appreciate thank you joining you. us. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Are we done, done? <laughs>